So I want to go back to last week. Allow me to introduce it just each time I want to introduce it a little bit differently so you can begin to see how central, how significant it is that we hear him in the dark. So this time I want to introduce it with Lehi's dream. So Lehi's dream, we saw that there was a mist of darkness. Now, do you remember what the purpose of the mist of darkness was? Do you remember what the mist of darkness did? It blinded the eyes and hardened the heart. In real life, people cannot see God's love. The tree is the love of God. And people sometimes have a hard time seeing the love of God because they have mists of darkness that blind their eyes. One of the most significant mists of darkness is pain. Pain quite often is a mist of darkness that blinds my eyes and hardens my heart so that I cannot see the love of God. And so what, I've, what we've been doing is we've been taking a look at some eternal truths, truths that we all need to remember when trial comes, when challenges come, when things aren't the way we expected them to be. Here are truths that we need to remember. So we've been through seven so far. We luckily have a beautiful place to study this, and that is Joseph Smith in Liberty Jail. It's significant that a scripture writer went through a very painful experience in his writing what God is saying to him. It's a beautiful concept. And so, I just wanted to remind you of what we've covered. Number one, you're not alone. He says to Joseph in the darkness, my son, um, or it would be a, my daughter to a female. The idea is we cannot think that pain and tribulation are signs that God doesn't care or he's not with us. That is not true. You're not alone. Number two, it won't last forever. It will end. Number three, if you endure it well, keyword there, well, so we talked about that, you will triumph over your foes. Number four, thy friends do stand by thee. Let the people who love you help you. And then he mentions Job. Others have survived worse, that we should take comfort in other people's challenging or challenges and their strengths. And then I remind you how the life of Job ended, three scoops of ice cream. And then we turn to section 122, and I want to begin there with that same verse because we split this in half. But if you'll turn back to section 122, this is the second of the three sections that are excerpts from this letter. Section 121, 122, and 123 all come from this letter. In section 122, verse 7. And I'm going to have, Hiram, would you mind? Section 122, verse 7. And if thou shouldst be cast into the pit, or into the hands of murderers, and the sentence of death passed upon thee, if thou be cast into the deep, if the billowing surge conspire against thee, if fierce winds become, become thine enemy, if the heavens gather blackness and all the elements combine to hedge up the way, and above all, if the very jaws of hell shall gape open the mouth wide after thee, know thou, my son, that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. Okay, that last part, know thou, my son. 
that all these things shall give the experience. Now, that's what we talked about. That was our last point on Wednesday. That trial gives you an incredible perspective of yourself. I know how strong I am because of what's pushed me down and I've gotten back up. I know how far the, the, you know, I know how much I can lift because the weights have been piled on. I know how strong I am. That's the experience that trial gives me. So where I want to pick it up is in that very next phrase. Know thou my son, that all these things shall give the experience. And number eight, all these things shall be for thy good. They shall be for thy good. Now, allow me a couple moments to see if I can explain how in the world is pain or trial or adversity good? How are medical challenges good? How is a loss of a job or a car that won't run? How are these trials good? First of all, there's a doctrine we need to establish. We mentioned this, but I want to go back here. If you don't mind, do this one more time. Let's go to 2 Nephi chapter 2. Book of Mormon, 2 Nephi chapter 2. This is Father Lehi's explanation of the plan of salvation and why, why we need this mortal life. Why did Adam fall? I want to go to verse 23. There's a fascinating word here that we need to digest a little bit. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. Now, the irony is, again, Eden has become known as this perfect. If something is Edenic, if it's Edenic, then it's somehow perfect. It's paradise. And yet, let's read the doctrine. Were Adam and Eve happy in the Garden of Eden? That's a difficult question to answer because you can't necessarily say they were miserable. So what's a better word? Let's read it. Verse 23. Second, they, were they were content because that's all they knew, right? The word that Lehi uses is innocent. Look, look at verse 23. They would have had no children. Wherefore, they would have remained in a state of innocence, having no joy. Now, I need to emphasize the next word. Having no joy for. I want you to just ponder that word. They couldn't have joy for. They knew no misery. They couldn't do good because they knew no sin. That word for would suggest what? You can only be as happy as you've been miserable. Now that is a hard concept to kind of get in your head, but if this is kind of the standard line, I can only go up as far as I've been down. They knew they... They had no joy for 
they knew no misery. One blessing of mortality is it increases our capacity for joy. That is an eternal truth. What do we say of Jesus? He ascended above all, but also did what, Hiram? He descended below all. And the depth is what gave him a fullness of joy. You have to stretch both up and down. Mortality would not increase our happiness unless there were moments of trial and challenge. So, for example, those, I think you, we all live in Utah. I don't know. I think all of us live in Utah. And you know what the winter we've had, right? It's been a rough, very snowy, cold, slippery. My wife fell and dislocated her shoulder. And yet, today's a beautiful day. Would we appreciate today as much as we do without the winter we just had? All these things shall be for thy good. Because if nothing else, they stretch and increase our capacity for joy. Of that truth I testify, that the more your life has these lows, the more your life is capable of having the highs. Your capacity for joy increases every time that gets stretched. And therefore, every painful experience we have, every challenge increases my capacity for joy. Now, number two, we don't have any useless experiences. God will not allow a pain that isn't for our good. That's what he's saying. All these things shall be for thy good. There's some lesson. There's something you need to learn. <laughs> there's something coming in the eternities. <coughs> and you need to be prepared for it by the challenges that you're facing. A couple scriptures. Let's read a couple scriptures. I want to start in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. So Pearl of, or, uh, New Testament, Matthew 7. Sermon on the Mount. We could do this in the Book of Mormon. We could find this in many places. I just want to read it right out of the Sermon on the Mount. He starts in verse 7 by saying, this is Matthew 7, 7. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh it shall be opened. And then Jesus asked this question. What man is there of you whom his son asked bread? Will he give him a stone? I have ten children. How many times do you think I have had a hungry child who says, Dad, is there something I could eat? and I give that child a stone. Do any of you listening think I have ever given one of my hungry children a stone to eat? Why are you laughing, Hiram? You know me well enough to say what? That would be ridiculous. I would never do that. 
I would never do that to any of you and you're not even my children. I would never give a hungry child a stone. And the same thing, if he asks for a fish, will he give him a servant? serpent? And then verse 11, if you then, being immortal, imperfect people, if you, if Brother Dunford knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more shall your Father which is in heaven good give things, give good things to them that ask of him? In other words, does Heavenly Father give stones? Was Liberty Jail a stone? The answer is obvious, right? No. Heavenly Father does not give stones. Every, every challenge I face, everything I know is for my good. Heavenly Father would never give me a stone. He would never give me something that would hurt me. And I've had some painful experiences. I've struggled with a lot of things like all of you have. But I know that Heavenly Father doesn't give stones. My dad would never have given me a stone to eat. My mom would never have given me a stone to eat when I was hungry. And God is the best parent of them all. So why would he give a stone? He won't, right? So the next time a challenge comes, you need to know this is not a stone. So why then does he give us challenges? I want you to find Isaiah. Let's go to the Old Testament. Let's find the book of Isaiah. We could do this in the Book of Mormon, but we'll use Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 5. Turn to the Old Testament and find the book of Isaiah. Now, this is one of the chapters that Nephi quoted. So this is in the Book of Mormon. I should tell you something about it. I just want to focus on verse 2. Isaiah says in verse 1, I will sing to my well-beloved a song. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. So this is heavenly fall. Now, the analogy is, what, what the gardener does to the vine, Heavenly Father is doing to me. God is my gardener. Now, let's make a list of what God is going to do in my life. Give me all the verbs in verse 2. What does the Lord do? What does God do in our life? So Isaiah chapter 5, verse 2, number 1, first he fences. So God is going to put a protective barrier around me. You don't build a fence to keep people in. Why do you build a fence around a vine? Why in the world? Can you imagine anyone ever grow grapes? Anyone? In, <clears throat> I, live, I live near a wide open space here in South Jordan. If I didn't have a fence around my yard and I grew vegetables, can you imagine what would happen? The deer... We have some skunks in a nearby gully. If I grew vegetables and there was no fence, they would be ransacked. So God does the same thing. He puts me in a fruitful place and he puts a fence around me. Now, number two, I love that Isaiah pointed this out. What did he say? He, gathered up his stones. he removed 
the stones. If I'm, a, if I'm growing, if I'm a vine, the stones are going to get in my way, right? The stones are the obstacles to my growth. And so tell me what Heavenly Father does. He removes the stones. Now, that doesn't mean he's making my life perfectly easy. Let's keep going. Number three, tell me what he's done in your life. I know he's done it in mine. He has surrounded me with the choicest vines. He has surrounded me with the greatest people on earth. My life is full of incredibly wonderful people, and I'm guessing all of yours are as well. I'm guessing every one of us can say, Heavenly Father has sent a beautiful cluster of grapes to earth. He surrounds me with the choicest of vines. Boy, he has done that in my life. Number four. Okay, he gives us a, he built a tower. He warns me of danger. I have a prophet. I have scripture. I have the Holy Ghost. He built a tower so that I know when an enemy is coming. My life has numerous warning voices that protect me from a coming danger. Now, all of these are kind of, well, good, right? I'm protected from people who would harm me. I don't have any unnecessary challenges. I have people who love me. I have warning voice. But what's sitting right there in the middle of the vineyard this whole time? The whole time that I'm growing, what's sitting right there in the middle of the vineyard? A wine press. What is he saying to me? Remember, Heavenly Father is not growing raisins. He's growing the finest wine. I am going to be the finest wine served to the king. And the only way a grape can become wine is how? Lots of pressure. Lots and lots of pressure. I am going to be Squished. But look, tell me the difference. What do I need to know? Look at number five and look at number two. Tell me what truth he's teaching. You will be tried. Every one of us. This is what he said in section 136, where he says, he that will not bear chastisement is not worthy of the kingdom. In section 58, he says, after much tribulation come the blessings. You will be tried. Now, number nine on our list is going to be a testimony of that. But we'll get to that in a minute. You are going to be tried. You will face the wine press, every one of you. But rest assured, what? Truth 
It's not a stone. You will face wine press experiences in your life, whether challenges to your health, your finances, your social relationships. You will face wine press experiences in order to become what God wants you to become. You'll never become wine without a wine press. None of us will. You must face the wine press in order to get through and become what a loving Heavenly Father wants you to become. But rest assured, the promise is not one of those wine press experiences are stones. Every single thing you suffer is for your good. Every single thing you suffer is making you better, increasing your capacity for joy. And that's the truth. I want to read this from... Oh, every prophet I know has quoted it. Let me remember who said it originally. I think it was Orson F. Whitney. President Kimball. Okay. I have President Kimball quoting it. But it's actually from Orson F. Whitney. I'm going to... We're going to read this together, if that's okay. I think this is valuable. Don't know if you guys at home can see this, so I'll read it. This one right here. This is Spencer W. Kimball, a prophet, quoting a previous apostle. Just, just, just feel the layers of authority. A prophet is quoting an apostle. No pain that we suffer, no trial that we experience is wasted. It ministers to our education, to the development of such qualities as patience, faith, fortitude, and humility. All that we suffer and all that we endure, especially when we endure it patiently, builds up our character, purifies our hearts, expands our souls, and makes us more tender and charitable, more worthy to be called the children of God. It is through sorrow and suffering, toil and tribulation, that we gain the education we came here to acquire and which will make us more like our Father in heaven. That's, the, that's exactly what the Lord's saying to Joseph Smith. All these things shall be for thy good. 
There are no stones. God does not give a hungry child a stone. I wouldn't. So why would a a zillion times better father than me suddenly give a hungry child a stone? Now, does he put us through a wine press? Absolutely. But there are no stones. Okay, thoughts on number eight? Anything, anyone want to add anything? The very jaws of hell shall gape open the mouth wide after thee. Know thou, my son, that all these things shall give thee experience and shall be for thy good. All right, number nine. Let's read the very next verse. Back in section 122, we read verse seven. Now let's read verse eight. What comes next? This is a gentle reminder that challenging times happen to everyone, including whom? All right, Hiram, would you read verse nine? After verse eight. The son of man hath descended below them all. Art thou greater than he? If bad things needed to happen to Jesus, should we expect a life that's free of pain? If I truly am following Jesus, will challenging things happen to me? Will pain come to me? Yes. Jesus was not spared pain. I don't know if you guys grew up in this area, but those of you who kind of grew up around here, do you remember when they were building the Ochre Mountain Temple? Do you remember the yellow foam that went around the outside? Do you remember, do you remember that, Hiram? When they were building the Ochre Mountain Temple, it was struck by lightning. Moroni was damaged. Moroni was stuck by lightning, and it just was a black streak all up and down the gold Moroni. And I remember thinking, Why should the church, why should the temple be spared challenges? None of the rest of us are. I remember thinking, how appropriate. Because my first thought was, I can't believe Heavenly Father let lightning strike the temple. He should have spared the temple. And then I asked myself, why? Why should he have spared the temple? He didn't spare Jesus. He doesn't spare us. And then I realized that's very appropriate. Even Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered. Why should I expect a life that's free of suffering when the greatest of all suffered? Why should I expect a life that's free of physical challenges when the greatest of all still carries nail marks in his hands as a reminder of physical pain? It's part of this eternal life. It's something he had to deal with, and guess what? It's something I need to deal with. 
It makes us part of his plan. And so I think I just need to remember, Jesus suffered. Why should I expect not to? But the very next verse has some very important truths to remember. And we mentioned these in a previous class, but now we put them on the board. Let me read verse 10 very carefully. Hold thy way. The priesthood shall remain with thee, for their bounds are set. They cannot pass. Thy days are known, and thy years shall not be numbered less. In other words, allow me to suggest that all of my trials, my trials have boundaries. They cannot pass. My trials have boundaries. They have been given boundaries by God. You can do this, but you cannot go further. Let me use Job as an example. Do you remember the conversation that Satan had with God? And so he first says, okay, you can take away his possessions, but don't touch him. And that's exactly where he went, right up to that line. Second time, what did he say? Do you remember what he said? You can hurt him, but you can't kill him. So how far did Satan go? Right up to that line, but he didn't cross it. There's always a boundary. God is in charge of my trials. And he has given them a boundary. I will not let you go further because anything else would be a stone. Anything else would be too much. I won't let too much happen. Their boundaries are set. They cannot pass. Pain and financial challenges and health challenges, they have boundaries. And they are not allowed to go further than that boundary. Now, this is a difficult thing to say, but allow me to say it, and I hope the Holy Ghost will testify and teach. Let me point out another scripture. I love this one in section 122. Let's go to section 42. Doctrine and Covenants, section 42. He throws in a very fascinating verse. Let's read verse 48. Section 42, verse 48. If I'm sick and I get a blessing, I can be healed unless what? I want you to read it to yourself. Verse 48, section 42, verse 48. If I'm sick and I get a blessing, I can be healed unless... That is a fascinating phrase, Dion. Right there in the scriptures. If I am sick and I get a blessing and I am appointed to die, what is it basically saying? Hey, it's not going to help. 
It's not going to help because you are appointed to die. Now, I, I don't want to come across as, you know, some people take that whole thought way too far and say everything's set. And I know there's agency involved. And President Kimball said we could bring about our early death by carelessness. But that would suggest that there is a time when Heavenly Father's purposes would have me die. And I think that means no trial can bring that about before it's time. No accident can take me before it's time. That their bounds are set. Now, I know that raises some questions and I don't have answers to all of them. All of those people that suffered horribly in the Holocaust or you know, that we've seen genocide on this earth. We've seen people suffer. But it is my testimony that Heavenly Father didn't let any trial go beyond its boundaries. That He has a boundary set. And that there are appointed times. And so it brings me great comfort to know that no trial will go past the boundary that he has set, that he knows how strong I am. He knows what I can and cannot endure. He knows the difference between a wine press and a stone. And he will never, ever, ever let the wine press become a stone. He has put boundaries on my trials and they cannot pass. That is my testimony to you. And I take it from right there in section 122, where Joseph was told, basically, they won't kill you. They can't kill you. I will not allow that. Not now. Not in 1838. Not in 1839. No. Now, <clears throat> in June of 1844, yes. That is Joseph's appointed time. And even if they had prayed and asked for healing blessings, even if they had, even if they'd prayed that the bullets would be misdirected, no, Joseph, this is the appointment, but not in Liberty Jail. Now, Joseph was treated so horribly. One time Joseph was poisoned in, in Liberty Jail, and he knew it was poison. And starvation drove him to eat it because it's either starve or eat poison food. And he ate the poison food and he threw up so violently, it threw his jaw out of joint. That's how badly he was throwing up in Liberty Jail. And the Lord says, their bounds are set. As painful as that moment was, he would not let it go beyond the boundaries. And I echo that testimony. Heavenly Father knows the difference between wine press experiences and what would make that a stone. And so he sets a boundary so they never become stones. I know they're painful, but what I know is it's not a stone.
And he knows where those boundaries are. That has brought me great comfort over the years as I have been through challenging experience. Heavenly Father is saying to me, Bryce, you can do this. This is part of the education I intended you to have. There's something waiting for you in the afterlife that you need this experience in order to do that. This is for your good, but I will not let it go beyond its boundaries. Think about that. Why did he walk on the water? Why does he come to them in the third watch? Why does he show up when the widow of Zarephath was gathering sticks to make her final meal? I'm not going to let it go any further. You've reached the limit and the boundaries are set. That is a powerful doctrine. Any thoughts? That is a powerful truth in my life. Would you agree, Hiram? All right, let's do one more. Let's throw one more. Let's go to the very last verse of this, of the excerpts from this letter. So let's go to section 123. So 121, 122, and 123 are the excerpts from this letter. Let's go to the very end of 123. I love the final verse. Given all of these things, given the fact that he's with me, they won't last forever, If I endure well, I receive the blessing that he wants me to have. I'm not doing it alone. My friends are going to help me. Other people have taught me that I can survive this. He's going to, the pleasure, the, 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 the joy of heaven obtained will turn this experience into a joy. All these things will give me experience, teach them, teach me something about myself. And I know they will be for my good. Jesus suffered. I shouldn't expect anything else, but their boundaries are set. Given all of that, verse 17. Dion, would you mind section 123, verse 17? Therefore, given all that, what should I do? Therefore, dearly beloved brethren, let us cheerfully do all things that lie in our power, and then may we stand still the utmost assurance to see the salvation of God and for his arm to be revealed. I just think that's a beautiful ending. I know this isn't a truth. I just, I'm going to put it as a therefore. Therefore, let us do, let us cheerfully. Do all that we can. Let us cheerfully do all that we can and wait to see God's hand revealed in our lives. I testify that when you hit that boundary, you will see his miraculous hand. That's when he walks on the water and stops the rowing and calms the sea and sends a prophet to multiply oil and cornmeal He will not let us go past the boundary, but he will ask us to be tried in that wine press because I need that growth. All these things shall be for my experience and for my good.
the Son of Man hath descended below them all. I am not greater than he. Why should I expect a life different than his? I testify you can and must hear him in the dark. They are critical moments where we have not been left alone. Depression is a crippling darkness, but all of this applies to depression, anxiety, pain, health concerns, financial concerns, social concerns, addiction. He will be with us. Of that I testify in the name of Jesus Christ, amen.